0: This letter to all the followers of Jesus in Philippi pastors and ministers included we greet you with the grace and peace that comes from God our Father and our Master Jesus Christ each time you cross my mind I break out in exclamations of thanks to God each exclamation is a trigger to prayer I find myself praying for you with a glad heart I am so pleased that you have continued on in this with us, believing and proclaiming God's message from the day you heard it right up to the present. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. It's not at all fanciful for me to think this way about you, My prayers and hopes have deep roots in reality. You have, after all, stuck with me all the way from the time I was thrown in jail, put on trial, and came out of it in one piece. All along, you have experienced with me the most generous help from God. He knows how much I love and miss you these days. Sometimes I think I feel as strongly about you as Christ does. So this is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of bountiful, and fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of his intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered All the soldiers here, and everyone else, too, found out that I'm in jail because of this Messiah. Well, that piqued their curiosity, and now they've learned all about him. Not only that, but most of the followers of Jesus here have become far more sure of themselves in the faith than ever, speaking out fearlessly about God, about the Messiah.
1: Good morning. It's nice to be with you all. This is um, this is just an odd sermon. I just want you to know that um, it's. Um, I have um, yeah. So just that's what I'm going to say. It's just a little weird. Um, so this is my prayer. Paul writes. This is my prayer. He writes to a beloved church. This is my prayer. He writes to them from prison cell. This is my prayer, and it's so important to me that I'm sending this with a trusted messenger, so that you'll know that I'm praying for you. So this is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much but well. That's what Paul prays for, for the Philippians, this church that he loves. And I love this translation from Eugene Peterson because it captures it. What does he want them to do? Love much, love well. And the question that we can ask ourselves is, how do we do that? And how do we do that particularly in a day like today, in a context like today, in a way in which everything has been disrupted by a pandemic and we are all trying to figure out what it means to love much and love well in a day like this? And particularly, how do we do so in a moment when it feels like everything is pulling us apart, makes it harder and harder to love much and love well? We're in the second week of a series that Pastor Matt uh, dreamed up about the way, looking at the way technology impacts that. And I have to just tell you that um, I think about this, and I want to talk about the way that technology can actually help us connect us, help us to love much and love well. But you need to know that I don't come from it as a person who uh, naturally thinks this way. Um, I want to ask this question, how might technology help and hinder our attempts to love much and love well? Well. And how might technology both help and hinder our abilities for love to flourish? Paul writes that we would have a life that Jesus will be proud of, a bountiful life in fruits of the soul, making Jesus attractive to all. So let me start with a video. There's this renowned philosopher, he's actually one of my favorites, and he was on a video that somebody sent to me at my work at Fuller, and he said, you've got to see what he's he's saying about theological education. And he was right up my alley. What he basically was arguing was this, theological education is meant to be formation. And to do that well, you need to remember that the roots of theological education came out of a monastery, where people didn't just study books, they lived together. They loved each other. They cared deeply for each other. And he was making this case that we needed to be sure that with our education that we had community. Well, that speaks to my heart. My dissertation was on that. My dissertation was on the way on which communities are the place in which we grow as Christians and that we need more deep community. And so I was, re- I was just giving a hearty amen. And then he was speaking to a spiritual director who looked at him and said, oh, so great. But what about those poor souls who can't be part of our community? You know, they have to take education online. And he said, I know, I know, I know. Online really is about information and community is about transformation. And at that moment, I wanted to throw the computer I absolutely disagreed with them a hundred percent. Matter of fact, so much of what I was doing in my life was going against that. And the only thing more was more surprising about the strength of my response is that I had the strength of that response because that's not where I started. I started as a person who cares deeply about Christian community. My whole life has been in rooms with people and gathered around meals uh, in. Locations like this, thinking about the way in which we have community together in relationship, that's pretty natural for me. I'm practically a talking head. Like I i don't think about technology and I'm not of the generation that it came naturally. When Matt last week referred to both Radiohead and open source technology, I realized I've never heard a song by Radiohead and I don't even know what open source technology is. Like. It's overwhel- I am more like my 79-year-old mother than I am like the 11-year-old I would like to have follow me around and do all my technology with me. Because I, ca- I didn't use a computer until I was in graduate school. It's- technology doesn't come natural for me. And yet, as I began to do some of my own work and began to teach online and began to struggle with this very question, I began to study about technology. And one of the things that a guy named Kevin Kelly who writes about this says is that technology is an extension of biology. Technology, and what he means by technology is stuff like language and translations and roads and pencils and microphones and whatever we have. It's an extension of our creatureliness. It's a way that we as human beings connect to people and extend ourselves more effectively than ever. It's an extension of our biology. And technology is anything we invent or help to develop that capacity for us to thrive as creatures. And I would say that nothing is more important to the surviving and thriving of Christian creatures than that which connects us to Christ, to the body of Christ, to the wisdom of God, to the mission of God. And the way we discern and use technology is how it helps us with that task. How does it help us connect to Christ, the body of Christ, the people of God, the mission of God? And to what, in other words, as technology extends our biology, to what degree does it further God's intention for us spiritually? All due respect to the separation of that word, those language. So if only we had some biblical texts that would demonstrate to us from the Bible the way on which you can form people over distance using technology, right? Like Paul's letters, which is exactly what we have today. What we have is a letter from Paul using a piece of technology, a letter, built on another set of technology, the Roman roads that made letter-carrying safer and better, that was for the purpose of connecting to a community of people that he loves, Remember, the New Testament is not written like a textbook, you know, Roman, num- Roman numeral one, number one, A, God, characteristics of, B, God, comma, Jesus. The New Testament is written as mostly as letters or sermons or other kinds of discourse in response to a very specific occasion, to a very specific challenge. And remember, nothing is more formative in our life. Nothing shapes our life more than the context we find ourselves in. The challenges, the people, the experience, the relationships. So what we have in the New Testament is Paul writing letters to specific people in specific contexts to form them to be people who live out their faith. So Galatians is about Paul confronting a group of legalists and false teachers. First and second Corinthians are probably part of three letters to the Corinthians, one of which we've lost. That is all about the way in which you deal with social inequality and licentiousness and immorality and other things. Paul, Romans is a fundraising letter written to a group of people so that Paul knows. He just name drops all the way through Romans 16 so that they will introduce him to people who would fund his mission that he wants to do to Spain. Philippians is a thank you letter. It's just a thank you note is what it is for a group of people who loved him and cared for him and supported him when he was in prison. It's a thank you letter. So, for example, we have a great example of this. How many of you have ever received a thank you note from Pastor Matt? Anybody? A few of you? Yeah, most of you in the room. Yep, it's worth saying. And if you're online, if you've received a thank you note from Pastor Matt, just put in the comments, thank you, Matt, and we'll see. Paul, Matt writes probably more thank you notes in a week than I wrote in 17 years of being a pastor at San Clemente. He's a master of the thank you note, and my wife would say that's not surprising because I still owe thank you notes from our wedding 32 years ago, and Steve and Nancy, thank you for coming. Um, but it's a kind of technology, right? A thank you note does something. It doesn't just say thank you, it deepens connection. It reminds you of how important you are to a person and how important your participation in their life is. And Matt does this remarkably well. So in this way, Pastor Matt is following Apostle Paul who uses this technology called the thank you note to deepen the connection of his community. Paul not only rejoices, but he communicates his rejoicing as a way of encouraging the Philippians in their ongoing formation. So sitting in a prison, you can call it sheltering in place, Paul and Timothy write a letter that reminds the Philippians of Paul's love and instructs them as their former pastor and the missionary who helped fund the church of how they can continue to live in the way of love. This is my prayer. You people whom I love, I want you to know that I thank you so much and so I pray for you this way, that your love will flourish and you will not only love much but love well. Paul used the technology of his day Letters carried by messenger on the Roman road to deepen human connection, to further spiritual formation. Paul not only prays, but he tells them about his prayers in a letter carried on the Roman road. Paul, hearing about the challenges that they are facing, gives them pastoral counselor in a letter carried on the Roman road. He not only witnesses to those who've imprisoned him, he tells the other people that he's been witnessing. To the people who have imprisoned him so that they would be strengthened in their own faith and in their own witnessing and he does it with the technology of a letter on the roman road you get the point it's not just the content it's the connection and formation over distance is a way of staying connected to the community of god and the wisdom of god when god's call or life's events call us apart so haven't you ever experienced the joy of seeing someone online in the services that moved away? I can remember the very first time we were online, and I realized the crisps were taking in the service from England. And not only missed them, but marveled in the connection about that. When I can, I'll guarantee you that Pastor Matt and Jill and Lucy are probably going to chime in online, because even though they're on vacation, this is their church home, and they'll want to be connected. With technology, we often think it's about content, but it's actually about connection. Many of us go to technology looking for content, but what we know from lots and lots of studies is what we actually long for is the connection. A Harvard business uh, um, professor studied and said that companies that figure out that online presence is not about content but about connection do better in the world. When you don't just put your content online, but you get people to interact with it and own it, become members of it when you get people to like something or to subscribe to something or be a member of something, you develop a deeper connection to that company. And if that's true for a company whose job is to make money, shouldn't it be true for a community whose very purpose is developing a deeper sense of spiritual connection? I first discovered this when I did some consulting with a counseling Uh, organization about 10 years ago. They do counseling with missionaries who are in the field. And for years, going back into the early 90s, they have used any technology they could to connect over the distance. Uh, Phone calls where they literally raised money for expensive long-distance phone calls and early versions of Skype. And the reason for that is they went to the mission agencies and the mission agencies told them that by far the most disruptive thing to the mission is when there was a family crisis And then the family would have to leave the mission field and come back to the States to get care. If they can find a way to care for that family and keep them in context, it was usually better for the family and better for the mission. And so they began to do this years ago, like half a generation ago. But here's what they discovered. They discovered if there was a relational connection between the therapist and the family that was established face-to-face, then they could use years of technology that if you combine technology and relationship, it's by far the best. So they stopped raising money for long-distance phone calls, and they started raising money to bring people together one time with their therapist face-to-face, usually someplace in the world. And then having that deep relationship, the, the efficacy of the, of the technology went up. And we know this. Where did you want to spend... If you had to spend a lot of time in Zoom calls, on classrooms and meetings and stuff, you can be exhausted. But when you have the opportunity to see a loved one, be with a family member, FaceTime with someone so you just want to see their face, there's a whole different connection. My mother is 79 years old. She broke the glass ceiling in her school district as a leader early on. She is one of those really remarkable women. But when she retired, she said, I don't want anything to do with computers. I don't want anything to do with phones. I couldn't get her to get an iPhone. She said, I don't twit. I don't tweet. I'm not interested in any of that. But as soon as the pandemic hit, we got her on Zoom because she wanted to see the faces of the people she loved. Now my mother proudly proclaims that she is a Zoomer and she helps all the PEO ladies, the older women who have trouble with technology, like the 90 year olds, get on Zoom. Why? Because we want to use technology for connection. We think we're looking for content, but what we really want is connection. And this is why if we have a relationship with someone and we can use technology to further and deepen the relationship, it only helps further and deepen what we most need as humans. Technology is an extension of our biology, our creatureliness. So because technology is an extension of our biology, it means that whatever happens to us in our bodies, including the way we can often get distracted or disconnected or depressed, can be exacerbated by technology. It can get worse because technology accelerates it. And so learning how to use technology wisely and well becomes really, really important. So connection, even over distance, can help or hinder our formation. So learning to wisely use technology as the creaturely beings that we are who desire to become more and more a community that is led by God's Spirit, becomes a really critical task today. Remember, the letters from Paul were so powerfully full of the Holy Spirit that the church called them scripture. Imagine if the Bible was being written today through a series of emails or tweets. That's what you're talking about. God used the most ordinary thing, letters, to be able to shape generations, centuries of God's people. But the letters were personal, and they were often carried by a person. They were an extension of Paul's own relationships. He says to the Philippians, I'm sending Epaphroditus, soon I'm going to send Timothy, and I hope that soon I'll be able to come afterwards. Technology wasn't against relationship. Technology was for the purpose of forming and deepening relationship. Okay, so what can we learn from this letter? for our own faith and community formation. First, Paul used the technology of his day to spiritually form his friends from far away. Paul didn't use technology for evangelism, not saying that we can't. Paul used it for discipleship. Paul believed that sharing of the gospel usually happened best face-to-face and up front with people in experiences. But he maintained relationships over distance, for a lifetime, in different circumstances, using the technology of his day. Technology can be a tool to strengthen community, to deepen formation, if we use it well. So this is one of the reasons why thinking about how we extend our community and formation through technology is really critical. Early in my ministry, I served at a church that had a television ministry. And one of the things we discovered early on in the television ministry is that it was really good for telling people about our church, and it was particularly good for helping our preacher, who became literally the National Religious Broadcaster of the Year. But it didn't necessarily translate into deepening discipleship. The people in the room always assumed that they were just the studio audience for the people on the camera that really mattered. And the people on the camera... Well, they just assumed that they were kind of peeking in at some, at some kind of party, that they really weren't invet- invited to have the seats up close because they were at a distance. What it meant is that people tended to, tended to interpret the experience from their context. And so what we have to do is continue to use technology to overcome the way our contexts shape our assumptions. We've got to use our technology to deepen our connections, to deepen our sense of longing, to become more aware of what we need. And so in the same way that an elbow bump might be a very good socially appropriate way to uh, do a COVID appropriate way to um, do something different than say a handshake, it's never going to take the place of a hug. We have the need to be able to stay, to be at a distance and up close. Technology that comes out of relationship is most effective. And technology that is most effective enhances and deepens relationship. When my wife and I were dating, she went to Europe. She was in college and she she went on a, a Europe semester, and that was back in the day when we wrote letters. That's what we used. We wrote letters back and forth. And we couldn't afford to do anything but letters, except that late in the semester, when I was getting more and more nervous that she might fall in love with a French art student, I'd get up in the middle of the night and I would call her and spend a week's worth of salary on a phone call. It meant that by the time she got back, I really wanted to see her. And I really wanted to make sure that our relationship was good and that she hadn't fallen out of love with me and that we were still going to get married. And I could feel the anxiety of the distance, but also the excitement of seeing her. Fast forward to my daughter being in college. She goes to Italy for the semester. And what the difference is is she now gets on an app that allows us to see her all and talk to her all the time two three times a week she was taking us on tours of, of sanctuaries and cathedrals she was we were seen and having all this kind of connection it was amazing to have this deep connection over time with my daughter in a way that i never had with my wife at that time when we were dating but you know when she came home i didn't say to Allie, you know we spent so much time together i don't think you need to come home for christmas you know really we've, we've been online so much no what I've discovered is because I've used technology to be able to stay more connected to my adult kids, I spend more money on plane tickets because I want to be spend more time with them. And as soon as we were all vaccinated, we flew everybody together for a weekend so I could hug their necks so I could be with them face to face. Technology is about deepening our connection being more connected to each other, using it to both form us and connect us in ways that we oftentimes don't understand. It's going to be both. The future is going to be hybrid. We need to have ways of being able to be face-to-face with each other in the ongoing experiences of being the community of God like we're trying to do here in the sanctuary today. And we've got to find ways to also connect over distance and over time and over circumstances so that we have a deepening sense of connection. Because Paul's prayer, written from a prison, on letters, using the technology of his day, is the exact same prayer we believe was inspired by the Holy Spirit for us today. That your love will flourish. That you'll not only love much, but love well. So how do we continue to use technology to do so? Here's what I would say. Use technology, spiritually, by refocusing on your biology. Allow it to connect you to your needs. Allow it to remind you of your loneliness, your your sense of disconnection, of how it's not enough. Let it remind you that you are more than just something online that is meant to be a consumer, that you actually long for a deeper connection, that we, that we that we must go out of our way to invest in it's going to be both and the church of the future is going to have to develop the capacity to do both in a world where people are looking for content but longing for connection how can we be people who use the technology that we have to meet people deeply where they are and connect them more deeply to Christ in a manner that will, so that our love will flourish, so that we will not only love much, but love well. Let's pray together. Oh God, mindful that we are not all together in one place, and also mindful that you are gathering our friends and family members in all different places. Mindful again that, this, that the church is more than any particular place or location, Mindful again that your spirit works in all places. We give you thanks for opportunities we have to find ways to connect. And we give you thanks for the longings that remind us that it's not enough to stay at a distance. We pray that you will give us a deeper sense of love for each other. That you will give us, that let our longings lead us into wisdom. That you will let our needs remind us of the great advantages we have to use technology to meet those needs help us to flourish help our love to deepen and help our love to connect us so that we might continue to be a place that embodies your presence in our community and in the lives of our people
0: it's in the name of christ we pray
1: amen